2: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew: Keith Johnson, greetings all; Alan Seiler, what's happening; and Veronica Daschle. hi. And we've we've got a lot of feedback today. Uh, first, well, I just wanted to mention we we took last week off. Uh, hopefully some people noticed uh, a lot of traveling around the holidays and stuff. So we took the holiday weekend off and now we're back in town and, and, and ready to get going again. Yeah. Heck yeah. Did you guys have a good 4th of July?
3: Yeah. Went to Chattanooga, spent some time with friends that I hadn't seen in over a year. That was awesome. nice. Yeah.
2: I think everyone's sort of in that mood to, <laughs> to go someplace yeah. other than their house.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> Most definitely. Yes. All right. Well, like I said, we have some feedback today we wanted to get to uh, first off uh, an email that was sent over to us from Mike at the ESO network uh, from our buddy Bill. Bill wrote to us before giving us some feedback. He said, he, uh, I love their latest episode with so much about Nichelle Nichols, whom I met at a Star Trek con in RVA in 1976, and even mentions of Time Tunnel and James Darren from Project TikTok and as Vic Fontaine in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and he said got to run please pass along my praise just what i'm thinking i'm so far behind on podcasts i don't have time for another earth station trek comes along and i love spending time with them whatever it costs me
3: oh that's so, fantastic that is great that is so thank good you to hear. thank you bill that's really cool of you to say yeah,
2: yeah absolutely thanks. and and bill if you ever want to email us directly it's earthstationtrek at gmail.com and that goes for anybody we'd love to hear uh mostly we look up here if you like the show but if you don't like the show we'll, we'll, we'll take that also <laughs> right on
0: feedback
3: Every yeah. feedback
4: helps. Feedback
0: is feedback. a gift.
4: And I always and whenever somebody says they listen to a podcast, I'm always curious do you listen to it during certain times? I've gotten into a habit where I listen to certain podcasts when I'm working out or mm. when I'm cooking, or it's kind of weird. And I, there's some podcasts I start to listen to them and it's so automatic. I'm thinking, well, I'm not washing dishes, so I can't listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's oh weird. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten to that kind <laughs> <old>. of <laughs> All
2: right. And Alan, you had um got some feedback from a friend of yours about our show as well
3: yeah um my friend elizabeth scott hi liz uh spent time with her in chattanooga with some other friends this weekend and um she just kind of happened to mention uh the podcast and i said so you know what's been your favorite episode so far just because i was curious to know and she said uh the number the episode number 20 where we reviewed the 20th episode of each series she really enjoyed that one um and i thought she was going to say the nichelle nichols one too but Mm. she didn't she said um the the her second favorite one was the one where we devoted to uh the first officers Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting uh that one ended up being a two-part episode because we Mm. really like sort of dove deep into the first officer situation right Uh, and she really enjoyed those um She also told me that, uh, well, a couple of things. One, that she really enjoys the dynamic between the four of us, which I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And she's been uh, pruning back the number of podcasts that she listens to. And we made the cut. (laughs) So thanks, Liz. Hopefully after you hear this one, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And they're out. And they're
4: out. (laughs) And, I, and thanks, I did say thank you, Elizabeth. And I'd also say for Elizabeth and Bill and any others, if you have preferences, things that you don't, uh, that you want to listen to, like I think uh, Charles, for example, we haven't done quite a bit of Enterprise yet. Mm. Um, I know some people may prefer the newer shows much more than the discussion of the original series, but so many of us grew up on the original series, that's almost a de facto. So, if you know, there are things like if somebody wants us to talk about the alternative factor, let us know. We're yep. already <laughs> done, Fox. Brain. We, we, we will at some
3: point. I promise you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't not talk about that one. Yeah, yes. I
2: know. You know, a lot of times they listen to a podcast. and they go, Well, why don't they say this or why don't they talk about that? So that's that's a great point, Keith. Let us know. We're yeah, yeah. Star yes, Trek. We're
4: happy to talk about it. And in that, fact, pit, pitch us topics. Yeah. Oh yes. Very true. Very true. It's so weird to me, um, having grown up listening to Star Trek, watching Star Trek since I was four years old. It is so weird to me, the reality. I see literally thousands of people online who have never watched the original series because their introduction was TNG. Mm. And that just seems so weird to me. So for it's, it's funny. There's a whole bunch of people out there who really don't know the OS. They may know the 2009 movie, but they don't know the original series much at all. So um, I've always found that pretty fascinating.
2: Yeah. All right. And then uh, we had a, a comment from our uh, friend, Vanny Beth Glenn. Um, this is in, in, in response to our Picard episode. And Vanny Beth said, a friend of mine quit watching Picard when he noticed every episode has at least one character played by a person of color who is brutally, often gruesomely murdered. I kind of wish y'all had addressed that in your episode.
4: Wow. My first thought was, this is interesting. I don't don't remember a whole bunch of people of color being killed after the first episode Mm. unless they were playing aliens. And I remember years ago, there was a there was a discussion about the Jim Hadar and the Klingons. And someone asked why were so many black people playing beings like the Jim Hadar and the Klingons? And, and Branyan Baga said, I'm sorry, Rick Berman said they've simply found it was easier to put certain makeup on dark skin than white skin because they felt like mm. there was less that they had to do. And so interesting. I,
3: I've never heard that before.
4: Yeah. And I have mm. heard people, I have heard people say that where if you look at a lot of aliens like jim hadar there's a lot of black people that play jim hadar and things like that and if the but the thing is of course if the makeup of the alien is kind of dark there's a feeling that the dark skin makes it easier to make them up so uh vandy i would be very curious to know one is your friend black and two i would i have i've only watched picard really once because i kind of rushed through the series um i will say this as a black person of a certain age I'm very sensitive to those things as well. Um, There are, I think a lot of you probably know that there was a time when Black people didn't get lead roles. There was, and there's in the Black community, to this day, there's a thing in the Black community about Black characters being introduced and killed off Mm -hmm. early. Uh, You may remember back when, it's funny, I I think I've even mentioned this before, there's two uh, movies that I remember. There's a really horrible, corny movie called Anaconda Mm -hmm. with uh, Jennifer Jennifer Lopez and- uh, gosh who else is in it John Voight and um, Ice Cube is in it and I remember it's a really it's a horrible campy movie but at the time there was actually a conversation it was surprising that the black guy survived because mm-hmm. that, be, that, that used to be seriously a big deal Yeah, uh, Will Smith and in Independence Day not only surviving but being the hero that was kind of a big deal
1: mm-hmm.
4: and if you've ever watched a movie that I just adore it's a classic B movie Deep Blue Sea mm-hmm. is it really that really corny movie about the intelligent sharks with um, <laughs> with LL Cool J. There's a scene where LL Cool J is trying to get away from the sharks, and he actually says in the movie, "Black people never survive things like this." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I don't know. For some people, this will sound very strange, but I remember years ago, my um, my wife and her brother and I went to see Jurassic Park, the first Jurassic Park. And I don't know if you remember, but the very first scene, there's a dude who comes out, he's got a hat on, and there's no other way to say it. he's like the great, the great white hunter. And he's loading, he's supervising the loading of what's one of the velociraptors. And the guy who comes out and they're having a problem making a velociraptor go from, I guess, the crate into this cage. And all of a sudden, this old black dude crawls up on the cage. That looks like he's about 65 years old. And he crawls up on the cage. The cage starts shaking. the does whatever. And he falls in. He gets killed. And without a cue, my brother in law and I turned to each other. And we both went, Why a black guy. i got to die first. Mm. So that's actually a thing. And I actually was doing another podcast. Sorry if I'm going on here. I was doing another hey, podcast on the ESO network with Mike Faber and company. we did a podcast that was talking about things like women, people of color, uh, transgender, homosexuality, and how they've been presented. And something that was just amazing to me, I was talking about this thing that's in the black community, which is like, you can't talk to a black person who will not talk to you about this. It's like, why did the black people gotta die first? Why did the black people gotta be cannon fodder, blah, blah, blah. And two of the people on the show were gay. And they actually said there was a term for that in the gay community because that's been an issue in the gay community for a long time, especially back in the 70s and 80s when gay characters were introduced. First off, they were like almost always serial killers or something weird like that. Mm-hmm. And the, they said that in the gay community, they saw things like that, right. where the gay people would be introduced basically to be a villain or at best a best friend. So um, I noticed that the guy got killed uh, in the first episode of The Card. I didn't notice a whole bunch of black people getting killed because, maybe again, I've only seen the series. I will say that when you talk about portrayal of people of color, this is, my, this is my bag and my thing. I had a little problem with Picard's friend. And why am I blanking on the lady's name right now? Raffi. Raffi. Um, because to me, and it's so funny, my wife said the same thing unbidden. We both said the same thing. We literally kind of said, why is the Black woman so crude? She was cursing. She called him jail, which is fine. She had some kind of drug problem, which we thought people in that time period mostly didn't have. And so for both of us, a, she is a woman, me as a man, but both of us Black. We both like said we didn't like Rappi's portrayal because she mm-hmm. felt so far. She's living in a trailer. And I'm still trying to figure out why she's living in a trailer, basically, in the 24th century. So I... Uh, I I understand what what the Vandy's friend is saying. It's something that I think about and it's a really tough thing when you're a person of color, I think or a woman or I think well, really anybody you represent a certain group because sometimes people will put you in and you, you can get mad because you don't like the betrayal and then sometimes people will leave you out like the most recent conversation about the series Friends mm. and then like but, they, but you're not in there at all. So I think it's something that they're been. They're obviously very sensitive to When you look at shows like Discovery, which has so many people of color and people of other sexual identities and even gender identities, I think it's thing that's getting better. But I do think it's something that that people notice quite a bit. And I and I've rambled on for quite a bit of time. But what did y'all think about that? Did you even notice that? That 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 register with you? Yeah,
2: we did. we did. That's something you and I talked about. Veronica and I have not only. Uh, I think the most the most obvious examples to me were. um, you know, Dodge's boyfriend at the very beginning. Yeah. Right. Really, we're starting it like this. And right. then the, the Romulan senator who got his head chopped off. And yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. it, it, it seemed like aside from Rafi's son, if a black man showed up on screen, he, he would have some brutal death immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's something that I don't think anyone's behind the scenes plotting that or anything like that. Uh, I think probably no, just no, no. there's a blind spot there where someone's trying to, cast black actors in these supporting parts and yeah uh, not catching the fact that oh wait maybe we should be a little more cautious about what we're, how we're doing this not uh, cast
0: so, black actors in small parts that get killed yeah I mean, yeah give
2: them a substantial percent <laughs> of role you know if a, if a white guy dies on screen it's not you know the, the main character is a white guy so it's you know it's not like they only right. that's that's the only opportunities there you know um just just giving more roles I think is a, is a good solution to that. And that's one of the reasons I was glad that Mark Bernardin was added as a, as a producer and writer for season two, you know, get, um, you know, more people of color and more black men behind the screen, the behind the scenes. And, you know, someone who maybe doesn't have that blind spot that, that exists there.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that I, I do appreciate Vandy saying that. And I absolutely, mm-hmm. I think all of us appreciate that people feel that way. And I can literally say whether you're black or Latino or Asian or gay or transgender or atheist, or a wit, a Wiccan, or something. You, there are things that you want to see portrayed, and I think as what, what you just said, Charles is right. It's really getting people behind the camera. You get the writers, and you get the directors, and you get the producers, producers, and you get the casting directors. Then people can they can they can show you things that you never thought about. So I definitely think it's something to discuss. And we had talked about doing this as a, an entire show, and I think that would be something good to talk about because at the same time. Um, I, I want to give a lot of praise to Star Trek because they have absolutely mm-hmm. always done the best. And if they make mistakes, hey, they make mistakes every now and then, but they are really trying. So they've always tried to be on the cutting edge of that.
2: Uh, so if no one has anything else on that, we'll, we'll take a quick break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here, with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. (laughs) Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider.
4: For the past 12 seasons, Mike and Mike have been bringing you a weekly look at all things geek. With reviews, discussions, interviews, and topicals from across the Geekerspeed. Now with Geek Life slowly returning to normal in 2021, join the Earth Station One crew as we look at the return of the summer movie season preview the fall TV lineup, look at all the big conventions now happening, along with other geek topics. You can listen to Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And as always, Earth Station One is a founding member of the ESO Network.
2: All right, so this week we're talking about Star Trek 2009, the first of what are now known as the Kelvinverse movies, J.J. Abrams' reimagining of Star Trek. Real quick, just wondering sort of where everybody stands on this movie.
3: Differently than I did when it first came out. Okay. In 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 a positive way.
4: Uh, okay okay
3: <laughs> <laughs> i guess i should qualify that a little bit no, no,
4: that was great that was a great way to introduce it out because i literally i was like what, is, what does that mean right <laughs> uh, for me the same is when it first came out and probably a little less i am okay. not a fan of and i even keep saying the abrams verse which may be a pejorative now i don't know if it is or not i don't think i don't think one is
3: over the other i think Got it's it. just two different ways to describe those movies
4: Got it. It's I am I am beyond conflicted about this universe. I enjoy the as science fiction. I even enjoy it as good Star Trek. I just can never get comfortable with what universe I'm in. So I enjoy it. I even like some of the touches that he added, but I just, I don't really, I'm not that interested in spending my time in a universe. So I mm-hmm. find it as great science fiction. I would just rather have a different track. And that's a tough one. I know. It's a tough one.
3: That's interesting that you say you find it good science fiction because that's a point that I want to make <laughs> later on. Mm, mm. Uh, uh, entertaining,
4: entertaining science fiction. Let me correct that. Uh, okay, <laughs> Veronica, what do you think? Good so
0: um, this is actually one that I saw when it first came out, and mm. it was before I met <laughs> Chuck actually. Um, and I, I mean, I went and saw it because I had watched TNG as a kid, and I was familiar enough with the TOS uh show to be like hey let's go let's yeah go you know this kirk thing. and spock
2: and that kind of thing yeah
0: absolutely hey just kirk and spock and the original enterprise and it's all going to be different and look at all these young actors and this is exciting um <laughs> i mean i probably went and saw it with friends two or three times um it was one of the uh, the few movies that i would see a couple of times um but i didn't have any really strong feelings mm. either way because okay. i didn't have any strong investment at that time
2: yeah, I was I was excited. I mean, you know, I I'd followed the the Star Trek franchise as a franchise all, all my life, you know, from first grade watching Next Gen to, you know, I was I think I saw Star Trek Nemesis with my then fiance, you know, as as, you know, 22 years old ish, uh, mm-hmm. which is a huge chunk of your life. And over, over the, the course, especially the last few years, I felt like it had petered out. You know, I felt like it wasn't as innovative or interesting or fast paced as it once was. I felt Star Trek started feeling old and creaky to me. And then sort of watching that decline in the ratings and this. Sh- I think made in Manhattan beat nemesis at the box office. You know, just watching it con- continually <laughs> feel like it was just fading away until it was gone. That was actually yeah.
0: my fault. I may have gone to see that eight times in the <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think other people that is as great. well. That is
3: great. <laughs> but they, they have Mid-Man. a... A Thanks big... a lot, Veronica. <laughs> Sorry,
2: but then to have a big, exciting Star Trek again was just huge, and it was, it was, it was fun, you know, yeah. which Star Trek hadn't been fun in a while for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when this this movie came out, and I've, you know, until I was 30 years old, I was the only Star Trek fan I knew my entire <laughs> life, it was just really? my thing, and I mean, I, I, I. In my wow. 20s, I started connecting people online and having you know, discussion forums and things like that. But it's, otherwise, it's just Star Trek was just my thing. And no one else liked Star Trek ever. Wow. So then after that movie came out and I came into work and there's people were just in the parking lot talking about the new Star Trek movie. And I was like, <laughs> this is so weird. And then I, you know, at that time, Burger King had the promotional stuff with the, the glasses and the toys and stuff. So I stopped oh, by yeah. Burger King on my lunch break. And I remember one day I was standing there and the there's star trek stuff everywhere you know big pictures of spock and so forth and there's a teenage boy and his girlfriend standing in front of me and he was like oh yeah i saw that movie last night we should go see that movie and she's like you're just talking about it as if this this fun movie that's out and as they were talking i looked over to the drive-thru and the lady in the drive through was saying i'm sorry we're out of spot glasses but we still have captain kirk and uhura and i'm just like is am i in a parallel universe right now where the world <laughs> wow. loves star trek so it was just I don't know. It was it's fun to me and exciting, and I understand a lot of the criticisms. We we do a puppet show called Bad Reboot that just makes fun of this movie. <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I just love it for just just getting back to the fun, exciting, swashbuckling nature of Star Trek.
3: Mm-hmm. It's sort of like it's sort of like if you're um, if if you're recasting Star Trek and making it into um you know like sort of like recasting it for the modern age. Right. It's taking it's taking the original, uh, you know, which it had its swashbuckling moments, but was also mm-hmm. kind of a high concept show sure. and turning it into a modern action film,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and it I don't think that the modern action film really has room in it for the high concept aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I think maybe know, more now thing- than it did then. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I think Marvel's done a lot of that kind of stuff. But oh, yeah. at, in yeah. 2009, I think you're absolutely right. Because I mean, you're right. looking at movies like Fantastic Four coming out before that, you know?
3: Right. And because of that, I, I was, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was incredibly well made. I thought it looked in, uh, just amazing. And I will say that if you're going to take the original cast of characters and you're going to recast them with a new, young, hip um, cast of actors, mm-hmm. I don't think they could possibly have got a better gang of people than this. I agree. I mean, every role is just perfect. Mm. Um, I think Keith is maybe not agreeing with us. On that one, but, <laughs> well, he can unmute I, himself
2: if he doesn't agree. <laughs> um,
3: um, but at, awesome. think, yeah, but at the same time, it's, it's like um, when you make it into just another, you know, like Mission Impossible type of, Uh, action film, which, you know, of course, is another 60s property that had been, you know, recast into a modern action film, Mm -hmm. um, I think you lose something in it. Sure. However, um, you know, so, you know, one hand and the other hand, uh, going back and forth, it was still really well done. And I, as an action film, really enjoyed it.
4: I agree. I agree with that i think it's a like, you i thought that was a good call out alan when i said it was good science fiction i didn't mean that it was entertaining science fiction <laughs> it, it was fun i think i think for me to your point i remember when the movie came out i was incredibly excited about it and i still to this day think it's got one of the best trailers i've ever seen i will say this for jj they know how to do trailers um the trailers for the force awakens for example is one of the best trailers i've ever seen mm, the movie. yes was a bit of a disappointment to me, um, and so the the trailer for Star Trek 2009 is just amazing. I love that yeah. trailer to this day. It's great. I think for me, I, and there's so many things. I remember there was a, a movie review somewhere. It might have been New York Times, might have been Variety, and it kind of irritated me because the author said Star Trek purists are complaining because the new movies are fun. Yeah, the and, uh, <laughs> that was the Onion. The onion, okay, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And then that got taken up by, uh, Charles, that got taken up by some serious people. And they started mm. saying, basically, well, the people who didn't like the 2009 movie just didn't like fun. And Star Trek, I, well, that's not it. It's <laughs> not that. Right, I mean, right. um, you know, I, I have my issues with the ship and the engine room and stuff like that. I think for me, the one thing at the end of the day, and there's a lot of problems I have with it, but the one thing that, that troubles that I don't like is that it's in an alternate universe. Okay. And even all that stuff is cool, when I look at Kirk's father die, which is, you know, which is uh, poignant. When I look at Bulk and destroyed, which is poignant. When I look at Kirk and Spock getting back together, all these poignant things. I I just keep going. This is all interesting, but I would much rather see Kirk's story in the original universe, mm-hmm. and that's where I get stuck. It would be like if somebody did a whole series of movies in the Mirror Universe. Which is fine, and a lot of people would like to see a mirror universe series. I've heard people t- heard talk about that, but if that became almost the de facto thing, I don't think a lot of people would like that. At least I would mm-hmm. So,
3: all okay. the things, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's not necessarily in a an alternate universe. It establishes an alternate timeline, so that theoretically they can go from that point and do whatever story they want because we've already got the story of Kirk and Spock and everything in the in our 23rd century because we had that in the 60s. So they establish a a branch timeline so that they can then go and do their own stories and and not tread on uh, established canon. The thing that really irritated me was that they took that starting point and in movie number two, redid Mm -hmm. the original movie number two from 1982 and did it (laughs) badly and Uh so you go to all this trouble to establish a, a a new timeline and then you rehash the original timeline in your second movie
4: so to your to, to your point alan i think that's a that's a fair point but to your point and i understand and agree with all that but for example i would i would much rather have seen kirk in the original universe's story when he was young i would love to see how kirk got the enterprise in the original universe rather than in this new timeline that, and this is a 100% personal preference sure. um, The other thing to your point is that I think that your point about Khan is very well taken Mm -hmm. because I remember um, J.J. Abrams talked about people like me who know Star Trek history very well and basically said, you know, basically he was saying was he didn't want he didn't want anybody coming forward criticizing him, you know, saying, well, this is not what happened. And then uh, Orsi and Kurtzman said they want to, like you said, they want to go into a new universe because they didn't want to be bound to the Mm -hmm. continuity of the original. However, I really haven't seen them do anything all that special. For example, one of the things they kept talking about was, you don't know somebody could die in this universe. Well, <laughs> Pipe. But nobody died other than, unfortunately, Anton Yelchin in real life. Who, yeah. Who's death, they... And so to your point, I think, again, I still didn't like the alternative timeline, but I thought, well, at least if you're going to do something really different, but they really haven't done, in my opinion, anything really different justifying that. They kept joking, like, oh, we may kill somebody off. We may kill somebody off. And they didn't. And then to your point, um, and talk about personal opinion, You know, talk about the conversation we were just having about people of color and stuff like that. In my opinion, not only going to the well and bringing Khan back when you told us that you were going to do a different timeline, but making Khan a white English guy when he was played by a Mexican guy, although he should have been played by a Sikh I just thought that was, I don't even know what that was about. Uh, that's just thats just me personally. Benedict Cumberbatch, a fantastic actor. And I actually like the movie, but I just don't, I yeah. like the movie. I, I, and this is a funny thing. I don't hate any of the Star Trek movies. I hear so many people hate the second movie, Into Darkness. I don't. I like all of them. I like all the movies, but I still am always just going, oh, this is really interesting. But I sure would have liked to see how Kurt got, took over the, the <laughs> yeah. original timeline and so. So that's kind of my thing about it. Yeah. Well, lest
3: we get too far into, <laughs> yeah, into yeah. darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other stuff. Charles, Charles well, what did you think about? O9?
2: I thought it was great. I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. I, I, I like that they went back to the friendships between the characters. Yeah. they agreed. For me, the movie is like, you know, just like the animated series is Star Trek, but adapted into a Saturday morning cartoon. Or yeah. if you adapt Star Trek into a comic book, it's going to be different as, as opposed yeah. to a novel. This is Star Trek as a modern day superhero movie. Right. It's an origin story. And, you know, you have an, an evil villain that has to be destroyed at the end. And, you know, but it's Star Trek doing that. And I think in a lot of ways it works very well. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, you say the motion picture is Star Trek without all the action adventure in it and just science yeah. fiction. And then this yeah. movie is the opposite. It's yeah. Star Trek with <laughs> just true. action
3: <laughs> adventure. You know, that's true. If, if, this is true. Point counterpoint.
4: So what did y'all think about, um, you know, and that's, again, one of the things I think at the end of the day, for me, if I have to summarize, my biggest issue, and I can never get comfortable with is the alternative timeline, because I'm always saying, I want to see the original. And I do not like the way Kirk's character was rewritten. Yeah. However, I notice all the aesthetic changes, like the kind of weird looking enterprise and all the, some people call the bridge, it's an Apple store and things like that. That didn't, kill me as much as it did some people who use that as an objection to the thing i take it y'all, that didn't really bother you all that much like how they redesigned some things
3: i don't know what you're talking about an apple store oh oh white <laughs> yeah everything I was, thinking, bridge. I was thinking an orchard with you <laughs> know, I first, too. Oh, but <laughs> oh. i get you now i no, get you no, now no.
4: yeah I'm sorry. With all the, you know, what all the, uh, what no, all I the,
3: love that. Are
4: you kidding? Yeah. And I think, I think like, if you look at the series, um, Alan and I both love the series enterprise. If you look at the series enterprise, as you know, that's always been one of the biggest challenges they have, which is yeah. you do a series in modern times, but if you make it look like it looked in like the old times, then it looks kind of goofy. And so I, I was actually okay that they had to do some, some, uh, upgrades because, Frankly, there's a couple of things like even holodecks. Holodecks shouldn't have been that new even in the TNG time period, and so they had to upgrade some of the technology. Yeah. So I was I was okay with
2: that. Yeah, I didn't care much for the new bridge. I think it's just mm-hmm. weird and and sort of crowded looking. And there's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. glass panels in the middle of walkways. We're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is not an efficient workspace. Why are there why are there spotlights at <laughs> everybody's faces at their stations? Know, point. I thought yeah. they did a much better job of of, of updating it um, on Discovery. With with yeah. that version of the Enterprise Bridge would actually look like the Enterprise Bridge. Exactly. But a more modern version where I, I right. don't think they were su- as successful at that. But there are touches I like. I like that they brought back Sulu's little throttle for the for to, to go into yeah. warp drive. He has the the you know, yeah. like the motion picture. Right, right. I think that's a cool visual. I'm glad they got that back. And they they kept Spock Station roughly where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of the stuff on the inside of the, the ship, though, it doesn't bother me as much. I, I like the sort of the corridors and sort of the general look of it. Does yeah, you know, it, it looks new, it looks high-tech.
3: I will say that in the in the opening 10 15ish minutes um it it felt more than the te- television show does it felt like a working environment mm-hmm. it felt like there this is an actual crew who reports to crew stations who does certain jobs and and I just felt like there was a realism to it yeah. that a budget a, on a television show doesn't always allow sure you know yeah. it felt big it felt like they were inside a vessel that's enormous and, and I really, really loved it. I thought it, and, and that was something I didn't notice, uh, at the time when I saw it, uh, in 2009, but when I watched it this past week, I was, that really stood out to me as this looks like something that actually exists with a crew doing actual jobs. Mm. I thought it was fantastic.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of that opening sequence,
3: mm.
2: may, maybe the most emotional opening sequence of any Star Trek movie. I mean, it's this. It, I don't know. I just found it just engaging. We, you know, with George Kirk having to take the bridge yeah. while his wife's giving birth to their child and escaping, oh, and you hear the baby over the speakers. It just grabs you and pulls oh, man, you in. That was so good. And then it comes to that big finale with the giant Star Trek logo, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> exactly. will say.
4: And I did like, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting touch and a good touch that they retro, they retro designed the phasers where they're like old school guns. They literally Mm -hmm. come out, you know, they're they're actual physical devices that come out of turrets instead of just beams trying to show that it was a little bit older time. I actually like that. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's an incredibly exciting opening. Uh, Absolutely. Just really good. Uh, and also, too, I like that, again, little, I like the little touches in technology. They add they didn't have in the original series. For example, the fact that they had con- constant biometrics on their captain. Right. And as soon as he died, they knew he was dead. You know, it's always the same. People always talk about, like, on the original series, they'll say something like, you know, somebody on the ship will say, or even on TNG, they'll say, what's happening? And somebody down below will go, you won't believe it. And you're like, well, why don't they have a camera or something like that? <laughs> yeah. So I think so we, I we was, talked
0: about that one time. Yeah, just recently. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: So I thought that was kind of cool. I hate that the actor, I forget his name. I should, I, I apologize. I forget his name. Act actor who played the captain. Yeah. also, cause he played the villain in the first Iron Man movie. Right. and I think he's a great actor. I hate that he had to die so quickly. I would love to have seen him stay around in that universe.
2: Yeah, he was great. Were you going yeah. to say something, Rocco? Um,
4: so
0: one of the things that was my, that I liked the most about this, this movie coming out in general is how much, um, like stuff it brought out, like all the kinds of like the little um, enterprise with the, where the Blu-ray is in the disc of the enterprise. And yeah. you have that sitting on your shelf and you open up the enterprise and, Oh, look, here's Star Trek. There's There's actual merchandising and there's actual merchandising <clears throat> of, of stuff. Um, and, and not in a way you would always necessarily see, Merchandising, not necessarily just of Star Trek, but in in general.
3: Yeah, so that that was one of
0: my favorite things about that particular movie.
3: Yeah, it gave Star Trek a market presence. Yeah, hadn't had in a while. Yes. Right.
2: The, the toys were lousy, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, th- those action figures so. <laughs> are terrible.
0: <laughs> I need me some more playmates.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they 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 should bring back the old school playmates figures. But that's a whole different topic.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Veronica, what did you? Th- who who was your favorite amongst the? main cast.
0: Um Zachary Quinto.
3: Okay. Yeah. Mm.
0: Um mostly because I already knew him from Heroes, but also oh, sure. um Siler. Yeah. And but also because he, he was a very he was a different Spock, but he very much felt like Spock to me like right from the beginning. Right.
3: Right. It's interesting cuz Spock is I mean that's a tough character. Yeah. And if you don't get it right, You can you can take liberties with most any of the other characters. But if you don't do your Spock right, Mm -hmm. your audience is going to, you know, lash out at you. And I think that in this series and in Discovery, their recasting of Spock has been really successful. Yes. So, you know, kudos to them for both of those.
2: Yeah, I love any time that Zachary Quinto he just gets Spock's little smirks just right, mm. and you don't you don't when you think of Spock, you don't think of him sort of smiling and smirking, but he does a lot, yeah. and and Zachary Quinto sort of nails that. He plays his Spock a lot more intense when he, <laughs> you know, when he's he's got a little Siler in him as well. But um, <laughs> I, I thought he did a great job.
3: Um, I re- I mean, I thought Carl uh, Urban was phenomenal. Yes, I he's mean. My- just, I mean, he just nailed that character. Yeah. The, the one that I felt that was the farthest from the original, like you could see the original characters in every one of these portrayals, except for Uhura. Mm. And that's not a knock against uh, Zoe Saldana. I thought she was really good in it. I just thought that it was a different character. It was a good character mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed her, but it was, there, were, there was enough difference in it that I didn't really see Nichelle's uhura in it whereas y- you can't help but see bones the way you remember him in carl urban's uh portrayal you know
4: what do you think about Nich- what, what What was it about uhura character that, that was it the relationship with spock that had her kind of
3: no, i didn't mind that what, at all it was just. About- uh, i don't know maybe it was that she actually got lines ah, <laughs> kidding <laughs> kidding i don't know it was just i don't know maybe there was a youthfulness to it that I don't associate yeah. with. Yeah. You know, uh, Uhura on the original is a very mature woman, mm-hmm. and I didn't see that. I uh, because we saw her right out of the academy, basically. You right. know, and so I don't know. I, I, I'm, it, it wasn't bad. It was mm-hmm. just a difference, and I, it's not a criticism I'm making. It's just an observation.
4: Yeah, well, I, and I agree with you all. That generally, I think Zachary Quinto did a good job of Spock. Yeah. I think Carl Urban as McCoy is my favorite because he's got he's um, he's kind of got bones mannerisms now. Now, he's he's much bigger and more muscular than, than yeah. um, DeForest Kelly, but he makes it work. And I even like they got the little detail. He's got the little pinky ring on mm. that uh, DeForest <laughs> Kelly always said he was going to wear. Uh, I like his mannerisms. I thought I thought he did a very good job. And I thought the chemistry between him and, and Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto was also yeah. really good. I think uh, so. I think he would be my favorite out of all of them is uh, Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy. Uh, Charles?
2: Favorite, I would probably say Chris Pine, even though I have some objections yeah. of the way they char- recharacterized Kirk. But at least I give you an explanation for why Kirk's a bit different. Um, but I yeah. I'd, he, he is not what I think young Kirk would have been. But I just love the way he doesn't do a Shatner, you yes, know, he but does. he just sort of feels like it's kirk in another life you know yeah. and i think that works really well the one i think is far the farthest away from me is simon peg who i love yeah that's but true doesn't really strike me as scotty at any that's point true. he's just i truth. read that they had offered that role to ricky gervais and i think ricky gervais Ooh. would have been a lot more like what i think scotty would have been yeah but um i do love simon Pegg, So i you know if my least favorite i mean as far as being close to the originals of simon peg that's that's pretty good
4: Exactly. I think think one thing I noticed with Simon Pegg, and it might be kind of like what uh, Alan was saying about Michelle Nichols and Zoe Daldana, was they kind of sort of would play up Simon Pegg as the kind of of funny Scottish person. I mean, he all but said, I'm giving it all I can, that kind of thing. And I noticed that um, when Simon Pegg was a little bit more serious, but he wasn't trying to be goofy and funny and especially that little strange alien sidekick <laughs> to your point. He wasn't the Scotty from the original series, but I could buy him as a Scotty. Right. So kind of like what uh, Alan was just saying. It's almost like they tried too hard to make him almost like a cute cliche of the original Scotty. And that didn't work for me. But to your point, but sometimes when he was just normal. He's just serious and stuff. Like, well, yeah, he's cool. But when he tried to do the, he tried to do the brogue and he was trying to be funny. Then I am like, eh, I'm t- I'm getting taken out of the movie a little bit. Mm. For him. I-,
3: I absolutely adored. Anton, I thought he was yep. phenomenal, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a different Chekhov, but I absolutely bought into it 100. percent
0: Yeah, I was actually I was actually about to say he was not very much like Chekhov. He was more yeah. energetic. He was a very and different I,
1: Chekhov. Yeah, he was, yeah.
0: but he was so much fun that yeah. I actually enjoyed the character, and I think I remember him as Chekhov better than I do
1: the real Chekhov. Guy.
3: And one of the uh, I. Out of the three movies, I love the third one. Mm. I really enjoyed it. And one of the things that I like about it is that uh, Anton got a a much bigger role in that movie than he did the previous two. And I I think his take on Chekhov is really successful.
2: Yeah. Yes. They're all sort of extreme versions of the characters. Yeah, they are. The whole movie is condensed and fast paced and everything's sure. louder and brighter. No one walks down a corridor in this entire movie. You, you run down the corridors and push people out of the way. You know, that's just right. the, the kind of movie it is. Exactly.
4: You get transport it inside water conduits or, right. or breweries or whatever.
1: What did, <laughs>
4: <laughs> what did y'all think about when you heard and saw Eric Bana being cast as the bad guy?
3: I was just going to say the same thing. I didn't like it. Really, I thought he was just generic bad guy number two or whatever, and I didn't find anything particularly Romulan in it. Yeah, you know, it was just, I'm a bad guy,
4: I'm gonna <laughs> do some stuff. You know, I agree, I agree with that completely. They okay. didn't, and he, the thing is, he's a really good actor, and I think, you know, Eric Bana was. Um, a lot of people a little bit surprised that they got him for that role. But I agree with you. There wasn't a lot of meat on it. I mean, even yeah. when he first met the captain, he just kind of sat there brooding. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he just up and sat and, and ran the captain through. So, yeah, I agree. He, he didn't have a whole lot to do in a lot of ways. No, that's true.
2: I did think it's an interesting choice to have a working class. Bad guy mm-hmm. in a Star Trek movie because you think of people yeah. like Khan or Chang who are very erudite and uh, quoting Shakespeare or Melville or this guy's like, "Hi, I'm Nero," <laughs> you know. He's like on his, way out of, you know, yeah, he's just a right. minor who happens to have this super high tech ship because he went back in time. Right. <laughs> that that aspect of it I like, but yeah, he exists. Good point for the for the for the story to move around.
3: Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. He's not. He is definitely not a Khan type of villain. Right. You know. Where you have uh, the equal match of the two leads who have to go like mind battle, it's nothing like that. It's just a dude who's got. Okay, let's talk about red matter. Because, because <laughs> must we? <TV>. Okay, <laughs> but, but you're the one at the beginning who said, and I know you. I know you've corrected yourself. I about, have to walk about, it back <laughs> about about good sci-fi. What is red matter and why?
4: Because it's J.J. Abrams yeah. mean, and, and Kurtzman and Orsi. I agree with you. And, and I, y'all know, I've established, I think, a little bit of a reputation for sometimes calling out the science in Star Trek. Who you, know? you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so I agree with you, Alan. That's one of the <laughs> things, and it's like I, I just, I just kind of roll my eyes every time the red matter and stuff comes. I don't really know. It's almost like. They were trying so hard to get to the end game, which is to create this alternate timeline. They could, they could play around in this stuff. They're like, right, "How do right. we get there?" And they just came up with this. I just have to roll my eyes every time they even do the. Everything about it doesn't make any sense to sure, me. Sure, but
3: yeah. and that's what it is. It's an expediency. Yeah. Exactly. It's the, the the movie is about establishing right. these characters, right. establishing a new timeline that we can then do new stories in, mm-hmm. and developing the relationship between our characters and. Eric Bana and Red Matter are the the (laughs) backdrop against which these other things play out.
4: Exactly.
3: Which kind of? Oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead.
2: No, I'll just say Red Matter doesn't bother me. It's just uh, one of those. Things in Star Trek, like the Genesis device or protomatter or even yeah. something like dilithium that doesn't make any sense. It's just a, a Star Trek thing that's in there. What bothered me more about it was the description, especially because coming from Spock of yes. the supernova, destroying the universe. And I'm like, no, 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 uh-huh. Spock, you know better than that. Right. right uh, exactly. that, that sort of thing bothered me more than just. And I didn't understand. He must have got that red matter in bulk because he had all of it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it if you got buy it enough, Costco. it's on sale. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being really good here because I am not going down the science rabbit hole. What's wrong? <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna talk about building a starship in a cornfield. I'm just not gonna co- <laughs> oh yeah, that was I forgot <laughs> about that. That was really
3: yeah. different. Well, Instead it, of seeing it built in orbit, it's built like down in and IELTS. what
2: and once you're building it on the ground and you're doing yeah. sort of a right stuff kind of a thing with him riding up on a motorcycle and stuff, and then yeah. you don't get to see it launch, like what yeah. I thought that was the whole point. Was oh, the enterprise my launching
3: exactly you're so right no i mean it's one thing to to have it leave you know it's uh it's construction shell and yeah. you know go out into. The, but if you're going to have it on earth i want to see that baby launch and yeah. get into orbit
2: yeah at least do like a cape canaveral thing and exactly and enterprise
3: exactly oh my gosh what a missed what opportunity
4: that, you know where that actually came from um and I, I heard an interview with Kurtzman and Orsi right after the movie came out. And that came from a complete, mm. back to yeah. science, that came from a complete misunderstanding of science. Because somebody asked Orsi, why in the world are you building a starship in a cornfield? And he said they thought that a ship that's going to enter the gravitational field of a planet should be built on the surface of the planet so that it would stay in the gravitational field of the planet. Not understanding that in real life you wouldn't build a starship. You don't want a starship to enter the gravitational field of a planet unless it's going to crash and so right.
1: <laughs> it, it literally was they didn't
4: understand the science and that's why they said they wanted to build it on earth and then of course and this is a show where people of course knew star trek and i think somebody said "Well, in that case why don't you build it on utopia planitia on mars yeah and they just wanted they, that was just literally back to they just wanted it close to where kirk could drive up on a motorcycle to look Well, yeah it. of
3: course i mean <laughs> that is that is the whole point of having it there
4: yeah. Uh, yeah
3: but even if you build it on earth for that reason every planet you visit is not going to have the same gravity that we have and right. some might not have any so that's that's a silly explanation
2: right. a, a better explanation than i would have expected because I, I i would just remember when he rode up on the motorcycle that's awesome <laughs> 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 that's what i would have expected
3: i will say it was a very big thing for me to get used to to having star trek movies with beastie boy songs in them yes <laughs> yes yeah.
4: and the nokia phone at, or at the time that uh, his stepdad called him on yeah um, you remember that? That was a, a product placement kind of thing yeah. that was going on there. Um, I read something, and I actually met the post this. I read something very recently where William Shatner said that the appearance of Leonard Nimoy in the Star Trek Abram's vs. Movies was a gimmick, and he is completely against it, and that he thought it was just, it was not needed, it wasn't earned. And it made He's only sense.
3: against it because they didn't ask him. Thank <laughs> you. He would have
4: been there. Come on. But, but um, what did y'all think about bringing Leonard Nimoy and, and making him the um, the bridge between the two universes, the two franchises or the two time periods and everything else like that?
0: I thought it was great. I was greatly excited to see Spock, like original Spock, mm-hmm. back in there. It probably made absolutely no sense, but I think of all the... Inter- <laughs> I mean, if if you think of all the Enterprise... Um, original cast or not cast, but the original crew Spock yeah. is the one that's going to live the longest. So yeah. it would make the most sense that he'd it, be around it, for some end yeah. of the world. I have to go back and save everyone type of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll never say no to Nimoy. He could put him, he could put Nimoy as Spock in any movie and I'm, I'm cool with it. Romantic comedies. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> Absolutely.
3: Totally. Put him in an episode of golden girls and I'm happy.
2: <laughs> Probably my favorite thing about my, my favorite single moment, you know, he, Spock has, you know, failed to save Romulus, got sucked through a time warp black hole, captured, forced <laughs> to watch the destruction of his planet, dropped on this ice planet. And then, you know, 25 year old James Kirk comes running in and he says, James K. Kirk, how did you find me? Yeah. So, not what are you doing here? It's like, his natural assumption is that Kirk's here to rescue him. <laughs> you know, I just right. I just love that moment. And That's I love a good point. Yeah, I just I, I love the. I think he just brings so much to this movie. They, they called him sort of like the Obi-Wan of this movie. And I can see that to an extent. He's just sort of this wise old character.
3: Yeah. And
2: he doesn't have as much
3: plot to do as Obi-Wan, but he's <laughs> true. My right. favorite, my favorite moment was at the very end when the two Spocks are parting ways. And he says, since my normal greeting seems oddly <laughs> self-serving, Sorry. I will say <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I thought that
4: was so sweet. Yeah, That was cool. I think my favorite scene in the movie, and I don't mean to come off like an ass, but the only, the only point in the movie where I felt like I was truly watching Star Trek, because I don't want to be that guy. But the only where I, 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 I truly, yeah, I truly didn't feel I was watching Star Trek was at the end when they had to release the Warp core. <laughs> and then, now again, I'm not gonna criticize because there were a whole bunch of people talking about what were all those set fragments that what were those multiple things that were the war core, but that right. scene when they released the core and they did they were doing all the stuff, that felt like Star Trek from something like the core like, of Maneuver or something like mm-hmm. that, the, or the immunity mm-hmm. syndrome, something about the action and how that was staged. And I actually like JJ Abrams direction. So I mean, the, the lens flares actually didn't bother me. Again, this like for, for people who think I just hate this, I don't. The lens flares didn't bother me, but I actually like the way he does his camera. It's kind of like Zack Snyder. You can love or hate Zack Snyder's camera work. I yeah. love it most of the time. The camera work and something about the the camera that pulls back and you see the Enterprise. Then they play that music. Da, 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 da. Then I was like, "This is Star Trek," and I, mm. I that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I actually love it. Yeah. Speaking
2: of the camera work, I think it's probably a reaction to, you know, by the time 2009 came around, Star Trek had sort of a a reputation for, for that, that next generation style of camera work where it was slow, sort of not, not a lot of movement in the camera, you know, sort of slow paced scenes. Whereas the original Uh series wasn't like that. The original series was, you know, people throwing boulders at you and, (laughs) you know, um, So I I love that. They they made it more (laughs) colorful and dynamic and the lens flares get to be a bit much, but Uh I mean, you could say that about the colored gels on the walls of the enterprise on the original series. It's a, it's a stylistic (laughs) choice. It's sort of the, you know, the, the, the 2009 version of, you know, that sort of loud aesthetic.
3: I will say there are, uh, there are episodes of discovery that do so much lens flare. Yes. And I'm thinking particularly of the ones uh, around uh, Talos four in season two. And to the point where, I watched this movie and I didn't even think about lens flare yeah. when I saw it in 09 and I was like, holy cow, the lens flare. And now it's like, it's nothing compared to some of the stuff that discovery, I mean, discovery went overboard with it. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. a lot in this movie. I mean, just like, you know, a lot of the star Trek TV franchise of the nineties grew out of, what came out of the motion picture more than the original series. The motion picture really sort of set the stage for the rest of the Star Trek franchise. And this movie really set the stage for what we're seeing in Star Trek now. I mean, it's so much of the look of Discovery and Picard and shows like that. And we haven't seen Strange New Worlds yet, but I would expect Strange New Worlds will have more in common with this movie than it does the original series, visually at least.
3: I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. What did y'all think about uh, Bruce Greenwood's Captain Pike?
2: I love Bruce Greenwood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic.
2: He's no Anson Mount.
3: But Thank you. But for when I first saw it in 09, I enjoyed it. But now, having seen Anson, and, and yeah. he's my Pike now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He, I think he plays a great father figure mentory right. role to Kirk. And I'm glad they cared enough to bring back Captain Pike and it wasn't just some guy. You know, like, right. there's a lot of points in this movie where they, they didn't have to try as hard to make in <laughs> Star Trek. You know, that's true. Um, they, they think they, they did.
4: Right. I agree with that too. Yeah. I, th- I thought he was good. There, he has a Bruce Green has always been an actor I've liked. He's always got a gravitas about him. So he, I thought he was a, a good Captain Pike uh, as well. I thought that was uh, uh, pretty good with his character. I liked him.
3: Mm. Um, I'll tell you who I wasn't like too much of a fan of, and that's um, Amanda and Sarek. Amanda was okay. fine. I just could not get into the Sarek. Mm. Like I just didn't. I don't know. It just it just had a hollowness to it that I just
2: <laughs> Yeah, couldn't, I th- couldn't find. I thought he was fine, it didn't feel like Zerk to me. But
4: no. he served a
3: purpose.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree with that. So was there anything and actually you're talking about um it's so funny because uh Charles you're talking about the, the character I like least was Chris Pine is Kirk. Okay. And that goes back to the thing where for me, for me it's what I just can't get past. And I and again, it's just, that's not, that's not, I'm not going to say that's not the right Kirk. That's not the Kirk I'm interested in seeing. And I'm going to say this, and this is horrible because when I say this, I'm making myself the person J.J. Abrams com- talks about. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> but in the original series, as you all know, in When No Man Has Gone Before, Gary Mitchell talks about when Kirk was a young ensign, he was teaching class. Mm-hmm. And they even talked about the fact that Kirk was serious. And then later on, and surely when McCoy was talking about Kirk being a seer and the Serenity on Ensign, uh, Kirk says, "Serious, I'll let you in on a little secret. Bones, I was positively grim." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Kirk, that's true. Kirk in the original timeline, also his father had died. And then of course, now we know he had to dealt with the Kodos, the executioner thing. Half his family had been slaughtered. So Kirk in the original timeline was a very serious and incredibly brilliant, probably a genius young man, serious young officer. So the Kirk that people came to know, the cliched Kirk, the womanized, the guy who you know, does the things like the Knight maneuver, the guy who laughs in the face of death. He grew into that. He grew yeah. into that serious Kirk. And to that guy, now that Kirk who take a chance, because it's a more obvious plot line, it's an easier plot line in the in the movies. They've reversed that, where he's kind of an arrogant, devil may care, frankly, yep. kind of a jerk, and yeah. then he's got to grow into serious. And to me, there's right. It's your choice, but it's such an obvious path. I'm much more interested in seeing that young, serious Kirk who mm-hmm. learns to take chances and learns to bluff than I am seeing the goofy Chris Pine Kirk who becomes more serious. Nothing yep. against Chris Pine because later on movies, but he becomes more serious. Great actor. And like you said, Alan, spot on casting. I just didn't like that Kirk portrayal. Sure. How they wrote him. That's just me.
3: I get you. I totally get you. Yeah. Makes sense.
4: Okay. Well, any, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up on 2009? uh if you don't mind i'll go first because i am the one who likes it the least so i want to get myself mm-hmm. let me get out of the way uh, it is absolutely entertaining i will never not sit down and watch any of these movies even the, the even the second one i actually enjoy them all i just every time i watch them i come away going that was really fun but i really would like to see what they were doing in the original timeline <laughs> i think at the end of the day lens flares crazy brewery that they shot in building a ship <laughs> in a cornfield i got a million problems with this show but my biggest thing is at the end of the day, I'm like, I just want to go back to the original timeline and I want to stay there. So I think that's my biggest thing, but entertaining, entertaining, no doubt.
2: You may get your chance. Strange new worlds. Hopefully we'll have several seasons to fill. So
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. So exactly.
0: mine is kind of the opposite of you, Keith. I really like, and I really enjoy seeing alternate versions <laughs> of of all the people and seeing what could have happened if where? where it's it's not necessarily the backstory that has probably been told in um, books previously um, yeah. but it's it's something new and different mm-hmm. um, and even if it's not as much Star Trek um, as <laughs> as a lot of people are used to, it was still a lot of fun and because I, I, I always like those types of movies in general where they like steer just a little bit away from the original story but they stay mm-hmm. close except for when they do it with books if we do it with book you gotta do it word for word with the book <laughs> 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 if you're remaking another movie that's fine <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that
2: wow <laughs> Let's me know where you I stay love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of like you said about alternate lives it's one thing i guess that the, the Spock and Uhura thing didn't bother me as much as it did some people. Although I, I don't need to see them making out in the transporter room, but there was always that dynamic early in the original series where there was a little bit of a something between Spock and Uhura where you yes. kind of like maybe in another life, you know, and then mm-hmm. here you get to see them in another life. So I thought it would be it was interesting that they, they picked up on that. It wasn't just, I don't think it was random at all. I think someone probably saw the man trap or, you know, Corb might maneuver and thought, Hey, you know, those two characters, Um, yeah so i I thought that was that was interesting um and i really i I like that it you know if you're a kid watching this Mm -hmm. this, joining starfleet is not about sitting in briefing rooms and doing status reports you know if if you're a kid being in starfleet is about space jumping onto a romulan platform and (laughs) sword fighting you know what i mean like (laughs) we didn't even talk about sulu saving the we sure didn't we didn't yeah (laughs) ah shoot (laughs) i like sulu
0: Okay. <laughs> I love the way his sword came out. That was my favorite part of it. It was a ending.
2: wannabe lightsaber. <laughs>
0: it was so awesome.
3: <laughs> that was Abrams auditioning to take over Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, I, I really had a great time rewatching this. Uh, the Abrams movies are sort of a thing that's like exist in a separate pocket universe, right. and they're not part of the main you know, timeline of Star Trek. So I don't really think about them much and I don't, you know, take any opportunity to really revisit them.
1: Mm.
3: So um, I really enjoyed going back to this one and, and kind of revisiting the way that the, this sort of like um, the separate franchise yeah. uh, really began. And I and, uh, thought it was great. And I do hope that we at some point do the other two movies. I really would like to revisit. I saw, uh, into Darkness twice. Um, I would not mind us going through it uh, at some point because I really want to give it a chance to to like it. Mm. And I would love to talk about Beyond sometime because that is my favorite of the three. Yeah. Um, but I I really enjoyed it. It's got some problems and it's got some you know oddities. But I mean, when you have a cast that good, you know, it's it's you're going to enjoy it even if you have goofy things like red matter in it. Sure. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, where can people find more of you online, Alan?
3: Oh, uh, let's see. We can go to cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com, and you can find Cosmic Press on Facebook and Twitter. And you could also do it on Instagram, but <laughs> who uses Instagram? <laughs> um, and then uh Hulanta. Uh you can find the Hulanta's group and page. Uh, we're active, very active on the group, so all the Doctor Who news that's fit to be reported is going to get put on that, and it's open discussion. Anything you want to talk about Doctor Who, that's where you go.
2: And how about you, Keith?
4: You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, primarily on all the ESO network Facebook groups, of which I'm a pretty decent posting um, member. Yeah. I agree. You do post. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying.
2: <laughs>
4: and how about us, Veronica?
0: Feltnerdy.com. Yeah. Alan, you missed it again.
3: Oh, I forgot to do it. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was all ready so I could make sure I got in there first, too. And yeah. you failed me, Alan.
3: All right. Next week, man. Next week, I got gotcha. you.
0: Okay. We'll see.
3: Yeah and you'll watch for us
2: at Dragon Con. We've got some shows coming up at Dragon Con here in the fall and um virtual Trek Lanta uh yeah. coming up in August. So, yeah. uh, keep keep an eye out for those things.
3: And hopefully you'll see the four of us on panels at Dragon Con. Awesome. Separately yes. and together. Hopefully we'll get to do one together.
4: Hope so. Yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely. All right, Veronica.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Oh, she's not prepared. No, nope, uh. I
0: didn't have a, an epiphany during the podcast. I was too into listening to everyone to to think of something.
3: you forbid that you should prepare ahead of time.
0: <laughs> no, nope, because that's that's not how this works. And everyone knows this. And if they're listening, they're waiting to see how much I'm going to fail or what weird thing I came up with. <laughs>
4: You're like, you're like a rapper. Rappers are supposed to be able to freestyle the drop. That's, true. <laughs> oh, that's
0: oh, true. Oh, no. I, I, I may be a theater major, but I can't do improv. Okay. Um, um, nope. The only thing coming to mind is live long and prosper.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. You should have said good luck. Oh, yes. Good luck. <laughs> that's right.
2: Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating.
0: or by shopping at the Tea Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.